Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Was a very busy hour number one here on Inside the Clubhouse, and hour number two should be as well. I'm Matt Spiegel, and he is Bruce Levine. And we welcome in the Bigfoot, the guy who breaks a ton of stories, the columnist from USA Today. Our good friend Bob Nightingale joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Bruce. Morning, Matt. Yeah, hey, we're, we're, we're doing great today, Bob. Uh, tell, give us the, the insight from your perspective about the Reds, Dodgers deal and how this does or does not clear way for the Dodgers looking at Harper as a uh, number one subject for them to try to sign. Well, the Dodgers need to clear some. They want to get some salary room. They also want to get rid of some outfielders. I mean, it was unfair to Matt Kemp and Yashal Puig just be platoon players. Both guys are miserable in that clubhouse. They say, you know what? You know, Matt Kent made the all-star team, and uh, he was being platooned. Puig's got all this talent. And they found a great willing partner in the Reds, you know, who had no use for Homer Bailey. And they want to get relevant in the division. And they're not going to compete with the Cubs and Cardinals and Brewers, but they'll only be an exciting team and get some fans back to the uh, stadium there. So it made sense there. Saves the uh, Dodgers $14 million in luxury tax. You know, that being said, it gives them options. I know everybody jumps on the Harper thing. But they've been clear. They don't want to give a you know, 9-, 10-year offer to Harper. This uh, guy, Andrew Freeman, he was in charge. He's never given a free agent more than $90 million. So obviously you've you got to do that more if you want Harper. So could give them a short-term uh, you know, window there for Harper. You could also let them sign a, a A.J. Pollock for the outfield, go get Real Muto, or even go get a, a Kluber Bauer from Cleveland. So it gives them a lot of different options. It certainly puts him in play for Harper for a short-term contract. That's uh, that's well mapped out because everyone sort of jumped on the Bryce Harper angle of it, but it it, it would appear that they want to remain under the uh, the the competitive balance tax, the de facto salary cap here. And had you also heard this thing about how they had told investors that they were going to keep that payroll around 185 million over the next couple of years? Are are you buying that? Yeah, I'm bad that, Matt, and you're right. Those things went to investors and say, we're definitely staying under the leisure tax. And, uh, you know, and the reason they, they brought in Andrew Freeman from Tampa is not to spend money, but to be smart, develop kids, things like that. You know, now they got those prospects to trade and money room. So it does open up if they really want to get a real mood open from Miami or one of the uh, big boy pitchers from Cleveland to, to do so. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Matt. I'm Bruce. We're here for you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball on the score. Bob, uh, Manny Machado um, and Harper. Let's let's start with a uh, general, specific question from for you, Ooh, and that like is, that. is there really a 10-year-plus deal out there for either one of these guys, or is this just the – perception that the agents wanted to create because there have been 
other 10-year deals. And the fact that Giancarlo Stanton signed a 13-year deal with Florida three years ago, not that anybody's thrilled about it, but from from your intel, your perception, are these guys really going to get 10-year deals? Well, I mean, Harper turned down a 10-year deal, you know, from the uh, Nationals. That was worth about 284 overall. So we know that was out there. It's off the table now. But he did turn that down. So that's where that comes from. And, uh, you know, everybody's going off the Aiden Rod tenure at 275. That was a long time ago. Yep. So certainly, certainly teams have the money now. And, uh, you know, these guys, you know, they don't want to be free agents again at 31, 32. They want to be, you know, they want this contract to get them past the age of 35, 36, that sort of thing. So, you know, they're, they're almost like those two guys are like mansions. You're only going to have a few buyers who can afford them. So, you know, they got the Philadelphia Phillies and Chicago White Sox are the only teams that are interested in both of them. You know, Yankees, uh, Yankees certainly have interest in, uh, in Machado, not in Harper. Dodgers have uh, some interest in Harper, but not Machado. So, uh, you know, I think next week we'll start seeing some uh, trade proposals where uh, those teams will start going back and forth. And we'll probably see something after the holidays. It's really by by mid-January on both of them. What's wrong with uh, 35 times six, seven, or eight years? Oh, you get caught a little bit in no man's land. You know, Bruce, and now it's like someone's a free agent at 32, 33. It's like, oh, my God, I'm worried about his age. And you don't see that kind of money. And you must, you know, if something happens, you know, it's hard to turn your back on uh, an extra $200 million. So say, for instance, that the Phillies are offering, you know, over 350 to someone. Is someone really going to take, you know, $200 million from Dodgers or Yankees and leave that kind of money on the table? Uh, you know, we just don't see that. Even Patrick Corbin, who was a diehard Yankee fan growing up, his family lives in Syracuse. He wanted to be with the Yankees. But when the Phillies offered $40 million more, it said, see you later, I'm a national. And I'm sorry, the Nationals offered 40 more. We have uh, Bob Nightingale on the line, and, and you said Patrick Gorbin wanted to be a Yankee. We've heard that Manny Machado wants to be a Yankee. Apparently he's told friends that. But, boy, what the White Sox have done is really impressive in terms of creating the opportunity and being aggressive. And, and I think for the White Sox, it is a win of sorts just to have this much conversation, to be at the table and and all of that. I think that is a win of sorts for the White Sox. But... How realistic is it that Manny Machado could still say, I'm going to go there and play with my brother-in-law, play with Jose Abreu, play for Ricky Renteria? How plausible is it these days that that will be the choice? Well, I think it's certainly a, uh, you know, possible on both of them. Both guys were impressive. The uh, White Sox were blown away by Harper, just how uh, interested he was, asked all the right questions. <clears throat> and when Manny Machado came in with his uh, wife, Yanni, uh, they were blown away by him. Uh, they were kind of taken aback just how impressive he was. So, you know, both guys. And, you know, for both of them, it's like, okay, do you want to uh, commit to a team that hasn't been losing, uh, commit to a team that hasn't been drawn fan? Uh, you know, it takes some guts. You know, John Lester went to the Cubs when they weren't, you know, winning and uh, said, I want to be part of that big rebuild. You know, it, it worked out great. So in, I think in both those instances, they're going to have to outpay uh, everybody to get them to come come there just because people are leery about coming to a team that hasn't won. Bob, you think Sox fans should be disappointed if they don't get either one, knowing that they still have work to do. They still talk. Uh, Rick Hahn still talks about the fact that 
We are still in rebuild mode. We're not there yet. Certainly a big addition would help them along the way, but uh, knowing that there's still still work to do. No, yeah, I think they'd be very encouraged. You know, it, it's not like Philadelphia where the owner, John Milton, says, hey, we, you know, we definitely want one of these guys. We want to spend crazy, you know, stupid money to do so. Uh, the White Sox are saying, hey, we got the money. You know, we're not going to be crazy about it, but we you know, kind of a measure tone here. Uh, you know, we're not going to be spent over $300 million to get these guys, but we got money to get both of them. And we plan to be competitive here, you know, by, by 2020. So the perception, uh, the thing, I'm sorry thing, about it. The one thing I would say, if they don't get either one, I think it's great news for Nolan Arenado. Because <laughs> I think Arenado was a perfect fit for the uh, White Sox. In 2020, the perception, Bob, uh, that uh, the Sox have to overpay uh, in order to get them, and that they will, and give these players anything they want. Uh, you're, you're basically saying that that's a fallacy. They don't have to do something crazy. I think what they're selling is, hey, we're going to get good. Look at our farm system right here, and you have to live in Chicago. I think they're selling the city very, very big on both these guys. Hey, it's a wonderful place to play. Uh, you know, the, the fans will come out. And I think in Harper's case, it intrigues him a lot because he lives in Las Vegas. He would love to have spring training in Arizona. That, that's a big thing for him, uh, to be close to home like that. Bob Nightingale here with us on, on 670 The Score. Uh, do you think that the Cubs have anything up their sleeves uh, in terms of being able to spend money uh, perhaps once there's a little bit more clarity on a TV deal as the off season goes on, are they waiting for anything? Is there any moment when they might have more money or is this the reality of where they are? I don't think this is reality. I mean, they could barely afford Daniel Descalso. You know, they make a million and a half next year. You know, they had to make moves just to, uh, you know, bring in uh, Cole Hamels back at $20 million. So, you know, unless, uh, you know, the Ricky spend all of a sudden says, Oh, never mind. You spend this much, much money. Go ahead. Uh, I don't see it. I think the reality is this is the Cubs team. Uh, they're they're not going to go above the two hundred five, two hundred six uh, luxury tax. Uh, I don't I don't see it at all. Do you look at the Cubs now uh, more vulnerable in their division after losing the division uh, in the last uh, game of the year, one hundred and sixty three last year, and now uh, the additions by the Cardinals, uh, Brewers uh, continuing to add on, probably switching some of their young relievers into a rotation next year. Where, where, do you, where do you put the Cubs at? Yeah, I still think they're the favorites, Bruce, but not a slam dunk favorite, you know, like we saw last year. Uh, you know, if the Cubs, you say, you know what, we had a lot of things go wrong last year. You know, particularly when you don't have, you know, moral pitching half the season. You know, you Darvish won the win. So, uh, you know, they got a lot of room for, for optimism, a little more of a hungry team, having lost a division and being out one day. Uh, I think the Cardinals have, you know, hey, Emmy would love to have Paul Goldschmidt. That really helps. I think their season depends a lot on how Dexter Fowler bounces back. In the Brewers, you know, we'll see, you know, taking they do that two years in a row. Is Josh Hader going to be just as dominant? Mm-hmm. I think a little bit more questions on them because they really haven't done much this winter. But so, it could be, you know, all three teams go to September within five games of one another. The Cubs start the year uh, 10 and. 17. Does Joe Madden make it through the season? No. I'll answer for you, Bob. Because everything that they've done and said, it's funny, I was going to ask the same thing, Bruce, because 
if it's about the players playing better, being hungrier, as Bob said, right? Uh, everybody kind of coming back um, and, and being better and, and improving their development. So that's very easy to point the finger at the manager in what they won't call the lame duck season. Bob, you agree or no? Well, yeah, like Bruce said, ten seventeen. Then you say, okay, there's a room for optimism there. I mean, I think you do give him a cushion for what he's done for the uh, franchise. Uh, I do think they have to get to the to the World Series probably for him to uh, keep his job. Uh, you know, the name you hear the most out there in the baseball world, not from the Cubs, but from baseball people, is Mark DeRosa. You hear his name, you know, more than David Ross. So teams are going that route, getting. Uh, former players with the communication and, and, and close to guys. Uh, so we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, the, the big-time managers like, you know, Bruce Bochy and Joe Madden, those sort of things. I mean, it, it's a joke that a guy like Joe Girardi is still sitting out there without a job as good of a manager as Joe is, and no one's really talking to him. I'm, I'm for uh, the next team going after uh, Ken Rosenthal or Bob Nightingale. <laughs> uh, I mean, wh- why not? I mean, who knows more baseball than uh, you guys? You guys need math degrees from know. an Ivy League uh, university. I don't know. DeRosa's never coached. Uh, he's always <laughs> was certainly uh, a guy that uh, was well thought of in a clubhouse. Uh, he was a leader at his time, but... Um, you know, things get a little different in that clubhouse, don't or in that uh in that uh dugout, Bob, uh in July and August. I think Aaron Boone might have found that out this year as well. No, you're right. I remember a couple of years ago, I remember when uh, Dan Jennings went down from the front office right. to, to, to manage the Marlins uh first man in the job. He says, Man, this game moves fast down here. <laughs> like you're a manager of baseball, say, no kidding. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're right. There's so much that goes into it and uh experience isn't being valued as much as it was. Yeah, that's what you love a guy like uh, Rick and Ray. And Joe Madden in that sense, too, where, hey, they spent their time in the minor leagues and riding their buses. A lot of these guys now have never experienced that, at least as a uh, coach or manager, and are getting nice nice jobs. I know Matt would like to be your metrics coach if you get that manager's job. Uh, yeah. Will you have room on the bench for him? I don't know. I'm, I'm more into chemistry and vibes. I'll, I'll try and, and get the, the guys together in the, in, the, in the clubhouse. Bob, have great holidays. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I guess there is no holiday season when it comes to baseball because anytime between now and the first, uh, we could be hearing about more trades, uh, people trying to get under the um, – uh, luxury tax for 2019 right now, which seemed to be part of what this big deal was about yesterday. So uh, enjoy the holiday season. Stay by the phone. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, All right. Matt. All right. All Thanks, Bob. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, does such a great job and has an awful lot of intel, especially um, with the uh, Chicago uh, front offices. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's wound uh, wound in very tightly there. Now that that's long thought to be the case with the White Sox, um, with with the Cubs as well, because that that his answers on the Cubs and his sort of fleshing out of where we are right now in the midst of of Cubs things continues the dispiriting off season. Um, the realities of where they are financially, the realities that. That you know to stop, stop dreaming of the big ticket items, right. et cetera, and the pressure is going to be on these guys. Get better with what you have well, in the room. You know Theo Epstein is going to join us in, over the next couple of weeks sometime, and he is just he's adamant and and he means it. Uh, it seems in the most heartfelt way that we already have a great team. We haven't got great results. 
We need those results from you, Mr. Manager, Mr. Coach, Mr. Player, from myself, from Jed Hoyer, the organization. We need to do a better job. And this is a guy that's talking about a 95-win team. Right. Okay? So how high does the bar go now where the demands are, you know what? We should have won 101 games last year, and we would have been in a different category altogether. Right, wouldn't have had to deal with the wild card and any of that stuff. Would, would have been, a, in their mind, a World Series contender. Maybe we would have finally got that Red Sox-Cubs World Series the world is waiting for. One of these days. One of these days. 6-7, the score is where you are. Yonder Alonzo of the White Sox will join us at the bottom of the hour. Your interaction continues at 6-7-11. He's Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Inside the Clubhouse. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine. And Bruce? Only because you allow me to be. Yes. Well, all day long. I really appreciate it. Andrew Miller gets $11 million next year, Uh $11.5 million in 2020, Mm -hmm. and then there is a $12 million team option for 2021 with a $2.5 million buyout. The option becomes guaranteed if Miller has 110 games as a pitcher in the next two years combined. That seems pretty gettable. Uh, so what you told me, he's guaranteed $24.5 million. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad for a guy that At had a knee injury, his worst season in a long time. But on the come from, back from that injury, obviously St. Louis did their due diligence in checking out that knee injury and where he's at now, only 34 games uh, last year, after averaging between 60 and 70 for the previous five, certainly one of the more dominant pitchers, no matter how he was used for a long period of time. Uh, it's it's a, it's a gamble in some way. Uh, but again, as you pointed out to the uh, lack of uh, quality from the left side of the pen for the Cardinals earlier, yeah. it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. There's still a lot of relief pitchers out there. A ton uh, of relief and, pitchers And the Cubs are in need of at least two of them. I, Adam Odovino remains out there yep, with yep. Na- some of the nastiest stuff in all of the, baseball. The problem is, is now, if, if Miller gets a contract like this... Yeah, Joe Kelly got three years well, from yeah, the Dodgers. What, what's Odovino going to get? And I know. does that automatically eliminate the Cubs because they don't have that kind of money to throw at their bullpen? When I looked at this Miller contract, I thought, based on what we know about the Cubs situation and this offseason so far, no chance they could have signed Andrew Miller to that deal. That that That's sad. Basically, was told that his agent... Uh, Mark Rogers was told that at the general manager's meetings that as much as we love your guy, now that we know what you're looking for, um, it's not going to be us. It's not going to be them. Yeah, they're not going to be throwing 12 million. And again, I loved the idea of Joe Kelly, who uh, was yeah, tremendous yeah. in the World Series and, and found found right. his niche, found his stuff. Well, and he was the Dodgers. That's a three-year deal for a reliever. What was What was the most successful signing for the Cubs last year for the bullpen, and it came on December 8th last year. Does Steve Ciszek? Yeah, absolutely. 80 appearances. Um, we saw some wear and tear the last two weeks, but how can you not when you're pitching literally every other day? Mm-hmm. 80 appearances, I think, was second in all of baseball in appearances. That's an awful lot. But without, I consider him to be the most valuable player of the Cubs last year because of all the games that he went in and uh, saved those middle innings mm-hmm. and the later innings. He he never was not ready. He was always efficient, 
And uh, to me, that was a great signing for them last year. Uh, everybody talks about the Chatwood and the Darvish signing, but this was... Seashank uh, was a good one. I mean, the bullpen was the strength of the Cubs all year long. Uh, all the moves they made in season certainly worked out. Chavez was a, a huge part of what they were able to do at the end when they lost Morrow for the last uh, three months of the season. Looking at the free agent relievers, and we're expecting a, a call from uh, Yonder Alonzo in just a little bit of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Craig Kimbrell looking for a massive deal, as we've heard about at age 31. Um, David Robertson out there representing himself with no agent at age 34 is an interesting name. In terms of who might take a one or two-year deal from the I don't Cubs. think you've named them yet. You don't think Robertson, Robertson takes a one no, or two? No, I don't think so. How about Sergio Romo at age 36? I Maybe? think that's year in an option. You know, he's represented locally by Barry Meister here mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago. Uh, certainly a guy that's not afraid to go out and get outs. Um, he's had a great career. That might, that might be a year in an option. How about Zach Britton on a let me prove I'm great again tour no, he's at age 31? He's going to get more. Think so? Yeah, he's going to get more. I think he might, re- he might go to the Yankees uh, because they lost Robertson. He might fit into that role uh, mm. with the Yankees where they want that dominant bullpen all the way through. How about uh, Cody Allen on a let's try and re- rep- let's try and remake my reputation? Another guy represented by Barry Meister, right? So, so these are some of the guys you're going to look for. And you know what? Bullpens can be volatile from year to year. So there's some sense, obviously, in in going with one year uh, for a guy because sometimes you'll see a guy be really effective, and you'll say, you know what? I think he's figured it out. And then you pay Brian Dunsing for two years. Might and be the guy, this. but I hope you better have eight million dollars. Better have seven or eight or ten. Well, whatever. I mean, yeah. you're not getting them for $3 million, okay, yeah. because that bar's already been set. You know, Miller got $12 million after having a crummy year, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, if Allen had a down year last year, uh, look at the body of work and say, well, you know, he's deserving of a couple of years, probably 16 to $20 million dollars. Doesn't sound like the Chicago Cubs. Brad Boxberger, who was a closer for a while in Arizona last year at age 30. You know, some yep. some of these names are, boy, there's Ryan Madsen. Uh, maybe not after that World Series, but Ryan Madsen was a guy who, who had answered the call and, and, and come at you every seventh inning or eighth inning as needed until he was figured out uh, by the Red Sox. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of unimpressive names, but some interesting ones for the kind of deals we're talking about. I mean, one year the, and an option. Do the Cubs end up making themselves flexible for one of these guys or two of these guys by making a trade where they're trading some money, uh, you know, a four or $5 million deal, uh, trading some away. Does, does Ben Zobris get traded mm-hmm. to a team that feels they're very close and wants that type of veteran presence on their team, God. knowing that he was a winner and has been a winner his whole career. I know we've heard that before. Twelve as well. million dollars. I know it's twelve million dollars, but boy, the kind of hitters they're talking about needing is exactly the kind of hitter Ben Zobrist is. That's they're talking about needing guys to get more contact and give consistent grinding at bats and. 
And 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 that is that's absolutely the kind of guy that Ben Zobrist is. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, led by the AHL's top scorer Brandon Peary, and an experienced roster with nearly 600 NHL games. The Chicago Wolves boast the league's highest powered offense. Celebrate the Wolves' 25th anniversary with free parking all season, courtesy of Kia. You can text us at six seventy eleven. You can call us right now if you'd like at 312-644-6767. Some folks saying, here's West Loop Tom, saying if Chris Bryant was healthy and the Cubs win 98 games last year, I wonder if the Madden conversation would be different. Conceivable. I mean, if they win their division, I mean, that changes the the whole dynamic of, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that bad last week of the season. The splitting with the Cardinals, losing, you know, the the two games in a row. Right. I mean, it was just it was an ugly, ugly trend. It just it just was, and, and um, you know, again, the demand for better offense from the players they have probably begins mm-hmm. with Bryant. You know, let's change gears, Bruce, and go to the south side of Chicago, where the brand new acquisition, the catcher and uh, the player, is Yonder Alonso, Bruce. And we bring in uh, Yonder Alonso, the new White Sox uh, player, just joined the team last week. Uh, first of all, congratulations, Yonder. Thank you for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. And uh, your first thoughts about being with the White Sox? Yeah, just, uh, thank you guys for obviously uh, bringing me in. Uh, couldn't be more excited. Uh, but but absolutely, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing uh, where you have a bunch of group. Uh, bunch of young talented guys who are ready to obviously explode here in the big scene of the big leagues and you know we feel like we can contend and obviously have a chance to to do get some really good things here not only for you know uh, one year or two years but for a long period of time so couldn't be more excited for uh, obviously the, the organization for bringing me in and, and obviously uh thank them for for the opportunity you were very patient with me and the other reporters who had you on a phone conference call earlier in the week about mm-hmm. taking some uh, intel about Manny. And uh, I hope you're as patient with us because, <laughs> obviously, we're going to get to that. First of all, uh, I'm sure your families are so tight that you have uh, you probably have some uh, holiday uh, get-togethers here over the next few days, right? Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. Uh, it's funny, I'm actually here. Uh, having a little bit of a good time with my son. Uh, we're at the park here hanging out. So it's beautiful Miami, uh, 65 degree weather. All right, rub it in, rub it in. So I got to rub it in just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then afterwards we're, uh, we're all going to hang out and have a little lunch, uh, over at Manny's and, uh, just, you know, catch up and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun for, uh, the, obviously the festivities in Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny when we first heard that you were his brother-in-law um, yonder and first realized that some folks were like, well, I don't like my in-laws. Uh, I don't like hanging <laughs> out with them. Uh, so why are you assuming that would be a good thing? But but the relationship is is, is really unique because Manny, yeah. I know, has described it as sort of as a mentor a little bit. But but yeah. it, tell me the beginnings of it, uh, of the relationship. Yeah, man. I mean, I've known Manny since he's been in uh, 10th grade um, of high school. So I've known him for a long time, um, you know, and then uh, obviously after uh, he went pro and, and all that stuff, uh, you know, I think he was ready to train uh, with some bigger guys and some uh, older guys. And that's when uh, we brought him along uh, with a with, with group of Miami guys that were there at the moment uh, to work out and train. And 
you know, our uh, friendship took off uh, even more from there. So uh, we've known each other a long, long time, uh, you know, ever since he was 16, 17 years old. Uh, so, you know, it's been some time now, and uh, it's just gotten closer and closer through throughout the uh, the years for sure. Did that uh, relationship also come with a warning that, hey, if you don't treat my sister right, uh, you're gonna have yeah. to you're gonna have to be looking straight at me in the eye. Yeah, you know it's funny, man. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't know this stuff, but my sister was the one that asked him out on a date. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. He he didn't, he didn't have the courage to do it. I think uh, obviously not only myself, but but my friends and uh, you know my dad, who's a pretty big guy. I think he was uh, very respectful of the fact that he didn't want to really cross that line. So. My sister finally uh, was the one who, who had the courage to say, hey, man, uh, if you don't take me on a date, we're going to have some problems. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that's pretty much how it went down, so it was pretty funny. Yonder Alonzo joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. He's Matt and I'm Bruce, and here we're with you every Saturday talking baseball on the score. Yonder, um, obviously you're not going to share exactly what the meetings were like uh, this week for Manny, um, but I imagine um, from what we heard, um, the teams were – very impressed about the way Manny and uh, and your sister handled the situation, and I imagine mm-hmm. they were pretty impressed about what they saw as well. Yeah, they were, they were, and I and I think from uh, from our end, you know, and from his end, uh, you know, a lot of people don't get to see Manny for Manny who he is. You know, I think they they only get to see three hours of baseball, and they they put a, a stamp on a on a guy who you know people have, uh, I believe, the, the wrong insight, but. You know he's a very humbled and and you know chill guy. He's a uh, he's a he's a family man. He's a he's a guy that likes to pretty much be with his his puppies and you know walk the dogs and have some nice dinners. And other than that, you know he's a very simple guy. Uh, so he definitely uh, enjoys that aspect of it. And uh, from a team standpoint, I think it went well. I think he enjoyed it. But uh, you know that's his decision. He he's gonna have all the input on it and. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm, I'm pushing him to go to Chicago, but I'm definitely pushing it just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's 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 understandable. You know, yonder, the White Sox have had a great relationship with Cuban players for a right. long, long time here, going yeah. back to Alexei Ramirez and El Duque and his brother and right. D- Dion Vicieto and now Jose Abreu, Juan Moncada, and and you're of Cuban descent, and and, and how. How um how how important is that um in terms of the relationship within the organization and sort of the welcoming nature and aspect of it? And you've got a manager yeah. who speaks Spanish as well, and Rick Renteria. How, how important is that? Do you think? I mean, what what a what a cool opportunity and a incredible incredible place to be in. Um, you know, I think that being a I've known Renteria since my San Diego days, so I know how he's like. You know, it's funny that you say that because. I was just uh, training with uh, Jose Abreu yesterday. He, he came over and we were hitting together and he was telling me how, how great and, and awesome it is to have such great people around us. Uh, not only that enjoy the, uh, the Cuban heritage and the Cuban culture, but, you know, everybody. Everybody's uh, welcome. So uh, as long as we, uh, we win, we do the things off the field and on the field and make sure that everything is taken care of and you're prepared and you're helping out these young guys uh, get better every single day. That's just the... Uh, the goal here, you know, and I think that, you know, we have that, we have these group of guys who are going to be ready to compete on a high, high basis. And, 
uh, you know, I think the sky's the limit for this organization. As far as you, I asked you that question about Manny and hustling and the perception being wrong out there about him. Uh, his comment about, hey, I'm not Johnny Hustle, seemed, right. seemed to hurt him in certain areas. Can you reset what, what you ta- uh, said to me the other day on, on that conference call? Yeah, you know, I, I honestly feel like it got, it got overblown. Um, you know, in that situation and uh, that that instance, I think it was it was the playoffs, and you know, I think people were were a little bit, uh, you know, everything was taken under under a huge microscope, you know. But you're looking at a guy who's a platinum Glover, uh, a gold Glover. You know, he's won uh, many awards, many accolades. He, he plays every single day. You know, I think for you to be able to do those things and win those awards and be recognized as one of the good, you know, one of our best players in the game. You got to play hard. I mean, this game is very, very difficult. This game gives it to you every single day. If you just let your guard down, you know, one, one, one instant, one inning, or anything like that, the game will eat you up. So, I think a lot of people just uh, take it. People don't realize how how great it is of a game and how, how difficult it is, and how how good of a player he is that he plays hard. But sometimes it just makes it look a lot easier. I mean, I know that I'm when when you're watching the best athletes in the game, they make it look easy at times, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we have here. Hey, hey, Yonder, in terms of your success in 2017, you changed uh, the way that you swing. Uh, the, launch, mm-hmm. the launch angle revolution is, is something that gets talked about a lot, and you changed. Um, what were your goals as you were changing and doing it? Were you really thinking launch angle? Were you thinking quality of contact? Because that, mm-hmm. that went up uh, a lot, just hit, hitting the ball yeah. harder and more, more frequently hitting it that hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me at the moment where where I changed, it was uh, after my sixth year or fifth year in the league, and obviously I, w- I wasn't seeing production. I wasn't seeing what a lot of guys were were saying about me, what a lot of teams would, were were thinking about me, and it just wasn't happening. Until finally, I just decided to make a obviously a, a mechanical change in my swing and a uh, a mental change in my in my game, and that's to punish the ball. You know, make sure I get a good pitch to hit. And make sure I leave it out all on the field, and and you know do it with intent. And uh, you know I was able to make those adjustments, and it worked out for me. And I think even now and this year, I've learned from last year. You know I think that last year could have been a lot better, but again I learned uh, and I realized what what were the, the things that went wrong for me, uh, which a lot had to do with pitch selection. And um, you know other than that, you know once we get that squared up and, and we clean those, those little things up, I think I'm going to be an even better player. So for me, it's just making sure I'm healthy, making sure I'm, I'm stable and I'm doing the things that I got to do and, and just be ready and compete at a high level every single day. Yonder Alonzo with us for one more minute or so on inside the clubhouse. Uh, as far as money, we always hear players in free agency want to go um, where they're most comfortable. They have the best chance to win. But that doesn't always mean that you're going to get the the most amount of money if you're most comfortable somewhere. The reason I ask that is that there's a likelihood the White Sox might not offer the most years. They might offer you know a contract that's equal or better as far as money per year. Um, do you think Manny will be swayed by the most money or the place he fits in the best in his mind? Man, I have no idea. I mean, that's that's a question that. Uh, something that you may have to ask him. Yes. Uh, eventually, uh, I don't. I can't speak for him in that in those regards. All I can say is that 
you know, we're we're all praying, we're all hoping that he comes to the south side and 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 uh, helps us win a championship and gets to the playoffs. You know, I think he's a player that that will make a lot of people better. I think he's a player that uh, will bring people together. Um, and, and I know the he brings a package that you know not too many players can bring. So hopeful that that he he can come with us and and help us out on a, on a daily basis. And and you know, we're all in this together as a family. Yonder, uh, you're uh, a heck of a player, and uh, appreciate the patience here with our, with our interview. No problem. And, no problem. and the fact that you and Jose Abreu have already been in touch and working out together is uh, that bodes well for people who think, "Well, you know, who's going to take the at bats? Who's going to get the?" You guys will work that out. There's yeah, a... we're in this together, man. We're in this together, 100. percent And we know it, and we've talked, and you know, he's a good friend, and we understand that this is going to take, uh, you know, more than two guys to, to accomplish what we need to accomplish. I think it's going to take heck everybody in the 40 man roster and everybody that comes together and, and joins us. It's going to take all of that. So we're excited about that. And we understand what we have a hand and, and we're re- super ready for it. Yonder happy holiday season to you. Thanks again Thank for joining guys. Matt and I, and look guys. forward to seeing you at Sox Fest in just a few Absolutely. short weeks. Anytime you guys want me, we're, I'm, I'm here for you guys. You're, you're the best. Thanks, Thank Yonder. you. Yonder Alonzo, right. the new white Sox, First baseman, DH, spokesman, Matt, <laughs> spokesman. This guy, he... Oh, spokesman for, yeah, I think oh, he meant yeah. for Manny. No, 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 spokesman, spokesman for... I mean, the, what an articulate guy, and what a, a guy that's not afraid to answer the hard questions. Nice to have. This hour on The Score is brought to you by Web Chevy. Searching for a great deal on Chevys in Chicago. Visit Web Chevy in Plainfield or Oaklawn. Yeah, I'm glad uh, glad I got a chance to talk to him with yeah, you. Yeah, he's a cool dude, and uh, he's going to be a big asset for them. I hope, as he said, he can uh, sway Manny to come to the uh, south side of Chicago. That would be great. It is The Score. Inside the clubhouse continues when we come back, and it's Steve Rosenblum and me, Matt Spiegel, at the top of the hour. A couple minutes left here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. A lot of listeners texting in at 67011. Really enjoyed hearing from Yonder Alonzo. He's got a lot to say. He does have a lot to say and comfortable saying it. That's always appreciated. This is Chris in Jefferson Park as we take a couple of calls to round out the show. What's up, Chris? How are you? I'm good. Hey, Bruce. Uh, hey, uh, Les, thank you guys for hitting baseball talk uh, today. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Sure. Um. The one thing I want to bring up is Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and the comparisons of which guy has more value in the market. And Scott Boris recently said in November, I believe, that he thought that uh, Bryce Harper could command $400 million. What do you guys think of that? And which one is the better value player when it comes to acquiring a player? Well, it depends what you're looking for. Bryce Harper brings an awful lot of um, appeal on and off the field. Um, honestly, Matt, I think Harper puts more people in seats than Manny Machado. I think that's probably true. Uh, the yeah. marketing side of it. Now, as far as production, Manny Machado plays every game. Uh, he has um, averaged about 155 games over the last five years. With um, Harper, there's been some injuries. Machado had one, a major injury as well. But Bryce Harper's not a center fielder. He's a corner no, outfielder. No. Machado, not really a shortstop, although he wants to play it. He's a gold glove third baseman. Gold glove third baseman is right. for sure. So uh, it depends who, who fits the most on what you want to do. I think the Yankees have identified the fact they have no interest in Harper because they need infielders. Mm-hmm. They, they have good infielders, but they have one in Gregorius who is a year and a year away from free agency and will be out for half the year. So Machado fits there 
from the perspective of shortstop, third base eventually, and then having an all-star player like Andujar or Torres to trade in a deal if you want yeah. uh, and bring back something uh, or just continue to add to your depth. So uh, I, I think for the, the White Sox, I think both players fit uh-huh. in a certain way. I think there's more sex appeal with Harper. I think it should be noted, too, that Manny Machado, in his combined time with the Orioles and the Dodgers, had the best year of his career. Offensively, yeah. he had 37 homers, which tied a career high. 107 right. is by far a career high in RBIs. His right. his OPS was 905. Uh, that was a career high. Most of that on the strength of a 963 OPS right. with the Orioles. Uh, whereas Bryce Harper had some struggles. Still had a very good OBP and a decent OPS, and has great numbers in his career. But if you want to look at this moment right now, uh, on base percentage, yeah, okay. which is which is. Uh, but why don't the Dodgers good. want Machado back? Well, that, you know, and we didn't touch on it with Yonder there, but that it is it issues just a of money issue. issue? It, well, I, I don't know. Uh, because, well, maybe it is because they're not they're, they're If they're not going to end up in the Harper Derby, despite making the room for some of the reasons we talked about before, it could be. But no, it seems like more. I mean, Manny has started a couple of fights, uh, three or four different fights, and he's been the instigator in most of them. Um, he's got he's got some some dirtiness to him. And 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 I don't, I'm not sure how much that ta- played take, in with the Dodgers. I'll take Ty Cobb anytime. Well, <laughs> the modern day. Matt, uh, we have to thank uh, our guests, certainly Zach Withers, for a job well done uh, all year long, especially in, of course, today is our great producer. Uh, we also thank uh, Kevin Goldstein for joining us uh, from the Astros, a good friend of Matt's, and added to the show Bob Nightingale from USA Today of course Yonder Alonzo people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine also on the website writing Sox and Cubs all the time 670 the score Matt I will see you soon thank you Bruce Uh, I'll be up next with Steve Rosenblum by the way I'm on a whole bunch next week you can go to mattspiegel.com if you want to see my whole schedule me and Terry Boers on Monday uh, for a Bears Monday that should be fun but keep it right here on the score as Steve Rosenblum and I'll be back Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.